2: We got a new open. We got to uh, figure out how to work that in for the beginning of the show. But I like it. That was cool.
3: Yeah, oh, nice. Uh, well, it, you know what that means, Jody? It's week one. That? It's here. It's here. Oh, it's finally that... here.
2: Those two things are going hand in hand. You're yes. suggesting that's yeah, probably you got to pretty...
3: revamp everything for week one. All right, that's yeah. how it is. New season, new everything.
2: Eagles aren't revamping much these days. Tinkering would be a better way to look at it, as we are now. Five days away, count them, five days away from the start of the 2022 season, all off season. We're evaluating, we're watching the roster, we're looking at the moves the Eagles make, who they go to war with, a couple more uh, moves over the weekend, things that they have to deal with, uh, decisions they have to make. Not massive needle movers, but got to get your take on all of them, Johnny Mac. Um, this one came down yesterday. And uh, I was doing a show on WIP, and damn, I missed it right before the show started. But I had Brandon Lee Goutin on, who advised me that it had just come down. Anthony Harris, who the Eagles cut, and they made the trade for Truncey Gardner, and uh, eventually brought Harris back on the practice squad, was on the practice squad for a couple of days. And then apparently he went to the Eagles and said, Yeah, I think I can do better than the practice squad. So the Eagles and he agreed that uh, they would sever ties and move on. Not going to be a Philadelphia Eagle or at least not the next couple of days. We'll see if he ever comes back. Um, But I was not surprised by it. Here's what I was surprised by. Uh, Our buddy Ruben Frank on NBC Sports uh, Philly wrote that he said he would not be surprised if Anthony Harris actually got elevated and started week one for the Philadelphia Eagles. I didn't see that a little bit. There's a reason that they cut him. They, they think they need to be better at that position. And uh, you've been uh, uh, touting the fact that they want the flexibility of being able to bring him on or take him off the roster. And if he's on the roster week number one, then he's guaranteed his whole salary for the whole year. So that made no sense to me. Uh, I didn't think there was a chance he was going to be elevated. But I also didn't think he was going to walk away. What does Anthony Harris splitting with the Eagles mean, Johnny
3: Mac? A um, couple things. One, one, one of two things, I think. And, you know, Ruben's point is an interesting one because I have to ask, and I don't know, because you can elevate practice squad players now. They changed the rules for COVID, but they carried them over. Um, and, and the old rule was bested veteran on week one. His, his contract is guaranteed for the season. However, he's not on the 53-man roster. He's elevated from the practice squad. So that might be a a technical thing. But don't you have to cut somebody? No, you can elevate players from the practice squad, just like last year. So if you want to elevate up to two practice squad players, uh, they don't count against the 53. Now, they count against the game day roster. In other words, you have to make somebody on the 53 inactive. Sometimes that won't matter deeper in the season when guys are injured. But this early, you you would have to make somebody else inactive that's actually on the 53-man roster. But that part's changed a little bit. So I do have to clarify that because he wouldn't have been a member of the 53 man roster technically so maybe the eagles were we trying to go a loophole that's what i guess Ruben was thinking i'm not is sure
2: is there I uh, sorry to interrupt just to further clarify <clears> and and <throat> i don't know and you're not sure if you know or not can you do that multiple weeks can yeah you, you can elevate doing guys doing and doing because you just keep doing it, no, doing it a, then it's a it's a 55 man roster if they give you two practice quads elevations every single week is there a limitation of how many times yeah. you can do it with uh, an individual the, player?
3: The limitation is three for each player on the practice. What well, it used to be two, so it's actually gone up. So you can only do it three times. It would have made sense early in the season. We talked, I think the Eagles made a mistake. I I think they should have paid one and a half million to Anthony Harris. Who cares? Just just to have it there as 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 a backup because We've talked about it, 10 days, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I don't care how smart he is. I don't care how good he is. I don't care anything about that. 10 days, 10 days. I find it very hard to believe, and I talked to a a personnel guy. He gave me a ballpark figure. He said, you can probably get him 70% of the call sheet. if If he is as smart as people say he is, probably 70%. Uh, in that time frame, and that's if you're working overtime. That's if the coaches are working overtime with the player um, in that kind of time frame. So either way, he's not getting a full sort of uh, digestion of the playbook that quickly. I mean, you're—it's just common sense. So I thought, well, why not keep Anthony Harris for early in the season? Great if it doesn't work out. And again, you're talking about a little bit of money. The the veteran minimum is I think one point one two. So, again, the Eagles already paid him a million when he signed. So all I had less was $1.5 I get budgeting. I get they're probably going to cut him at some point. You'd like to save a couple hundred grand. But I think the insurance policy would have been more valuable, not because of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but more so because of what's behind, you know, the Kayvon Wallace of the world, the, the three Blankenships of the world, the Josiah Scouts of the world. Those are unproven guys at, at the safety position. And this is a team that hits week one with these extraordinary expectations. And everything in this league is always about injury, right? <clears throat> well, what happens if somebody gets hurt at safety? You don't want to say that, but obviously you don't want to think that. But you, you have to have a contingency. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable throwing Kayvon Wallace out there? Are you comfortable throwing Reed Blankenship, Josiah Scott, out there? I don't know. You can't have everything, but I think it would have been a valuable insurance policy to keep Anthony Harris around. As for why he left, he signed and left. I'm hearing that maybe he's going to get a 53 man offer, and the Eagles said, "All right, you know, you know, because of what you did, what you know, they they do respect him as a player, as 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 a person, as what he did in the community. They're going to give him that opportunity." He certainly seemed to be saying goodbye to Philadelphia on social media. So he essentially said goodbye. So we'll see in the upcoming days. But it certainly looks like he's probably got a 53-man roster spot offer. And, you know, I the biggest surprise to me, Jody, was that he signed on the practice squad to begin with. Right. That was same, the biggest su- same, surprise. Same here. To
2: me. And, again, you, you're better at the ins and outs and the rules of the roster. Any team could have basically just picked them off the Eagles practice squad, right? If they were going to put them on their 53, any player on the practice squad is eligible to be acquired for nothing. All you have to do is uh, make sure you give them a 53-man roster spot, right? It wasn't like he needed to get permission to leave the Eagles. If he had a 53-man office agent, had a promise from a team, we're going to put you on the 53. They could just have gone ahead and enacted that, right?
3: Yes and no. There's there's four players you can protect every week, and the Eagles do it. Um, they did it every week last year. A lot of teams don't even do it, um, which I never understood, to be honest. And I think that, that tells you the attention to detail in Philadelphia versus other places. Uh, Tuesday, today, so I, I keep thinking today's Monday, but obviously Labor Day. Um, four o'clock, you can protect up to four players on the practice squad. Eagles did it every week last year. I assume they're going to do it every week this year. It um, doesn't cost you
2: anything. Why wouldn't you do it?
3: Yeah, exactly. But that's a question for other teams because a <laughs> lot of teams didn't do it or they didn't protect up to four. What are you saying about your own practice squad if you can't protect poor players? It's not costing you anything, as you said, Jody. It, it, it makes absolutely no sense to me. But you can guarantee week one he would have been protected because, you know, he he, he would have probably been a candidate to be elevated um, uh, for the game because of all the issues we talked about in the 10 days. It doesn't hurt. Um, So it would have made sense to me. Um, But, you know, the Eagles paid sort of deference to Anthony Harris and um, his agent and him asked to be released, and they released him.
2: Okay, and we'll see if he does land with another team over the next twenty-four. 48 hours uh the other piece of new eagle information (laughs) five days away from kickoff against the lions was andre dillard is actually going to have surgery on his arm um i believe that the injury took place last thursday so they waited upwards of five days before they officially decided to get the surgery done uh at least as per reports the amount of time that he's going to miss is basically the same. When he first got hurt, uh, the guesstimation was four to six weeks. I'm seeing four to six weeks again, even after the surgery. So the surgery doesn't necessarily push it back, but it did take them several days to decide, yeah, we better get this surgery done. Why, why do you think it took so long? And do you buy the fact that even with surgery, the amount of time that Dillard's going to be out of the lineup is the same?
3: I don't buy the four to six weeks, to be honest. I think that's very optimistic. Um, all you can do in these types of situations is, is research. And um, when he did get injured, uh, I looked uh, at, you know, the Society of Orthopedic Surgeons, their recommendations, usually with adults with that injury. They said, typically, you have surgery to stabilize it for the rehab. That's exactly what happened as far as the time frame, a lot of times with surgery, remember, you have to let the swelling go down. Um, so it's not, you know, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're unsure. I think they were pretty sure because, as I said, most adults, most non-athlete adults who break um, their forearm have to get surgery to get it stabilized for the rehab. So I'm kind of sure they made that decision right away. Probably had to wait a little bit of time for the swelling to go down. That's probably the timing aspect of it. Um, and, yeah, four to six weeks, yeah, probably six to eight would be is what I saw. But he's a pro athlete, so maybe it is ramped up a little bit. But um, I think that's optimistic. Uh, but he certainly, I think at some point this week, and the Eagles don't have to do it till Saturday, really, uh, he's going to be on Injured reserve, short time short term injured reserve. Uh, and that'll open up a, a roster spot as well.
2: All right. Uh we've got a good one coming <laughs> for you here today on Birds three sixty-five. <clears> as we do continue to count down to game one versus the Philadelphia Philadelphia Eagles versus the Detroit Lions in Detroit. Johnny Mack off to Detroit. I know one of his favorite places on the whole planet. the Romulus.
3: <laughs> You're Romulus off to Romulus Michigan. again? Yes. Beautiful airport, Uh, Detroit Airport, Romulus, Michigan.
2: That's where uh, Johnny Mac is headed. We're going to head out with our uh, couple of guests that we've got coming up. Scott Grayson, sports anchor for Fox 29 and the host of Props and Locks on Fox 29. is going to hop aboard uh, uh, coming up in less than uh, five ten five minutes from now. And then a little bit later, we're going to be joined by a guy you should recognize. I know you're going to recognize the name. Former Eagle great linebacker Seth Joyner is going to jump in with us. As you should know by now, if you're a fan of the Jacob uh, Sports YouTube channel, Seth is going to be part of the big Eagles post game show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, we are very lucky to have Seth jumping aboard with us and he's going to be here every single week after every single Eagle game. Uh, very much looking forward to uh, seeing the job that Seth does for us here at Jacob Sports. Um, I've been trying to get Seth on the last couple of weeks. He's, uh, as you can well guess, been busy, but he carved out a spot for us today. So he's going to join us in our number two. Very much looking forward to seeing, uh, and having a chance to talk it up, chop it up with, uh, Seth Joyner, specifically about the linebackers. Cause first I want to see if Seth's as excited as, uh, yours Julie and Johnny Macaw. Eagles have linebackers. They've got not only good liner, but they got linebacker depth. When was the last time the Eagles had linebacker depth? Probably since when Seth Joyner played. Uh, so <laughs> we will talk about the entire team and uh, certainly the linebacker play with Seth Joyner a little bit later. Uh, but coming up first, Scott Grayson from Fox 29 is going to hop aboard uh, with us here on a game week edition. Yes, it has finally arrived. John Mcmullen, Jody McDonald here with John on Burns 365.
5: do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that and Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today.
6: Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently.
1: Go birds! Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pond Lee Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
2: John McMullen, Jody McDonald, Your birds 365, and duo here on the Big Media YouTube channel. Uh, Scott Grayson from Fox 29 should jump aboard here in the next couple of minutes. Uh, Johnny Mac, the one other thing that came down over the last few days, and it's funny because I checked my social media and uh, I don't think I got a call on it yesterday was when I was on WIP, um, but maybe that was me not uh, giving it all that much attention. Jason Peters. Decade-long Eagle stalwart at left tackle, probable Hall of Famer, uh, and played the majority of his career right here in Philadelphia. May finish off his career in Dallas. We know the Cowboys are desperate for left tackle help with Tyron Smith going down. They're probably going to move the first-round draft pick that they took this year and converted to a guard uh, out to uh, left tackle again. But they need a safety net. I'll give you this much. Jason Peters, big safety net. Um, He signed on with the practice squad of the Cowboys, which gives him flexibility to bring him up, put him in whenever he's ready, and we'll see how long that takes. Uh, I know some people, at least via social media on my Twitter account, were put off by the fact that Jason Peters, how dare he sign with the Cowboys. Really? Does Jason Peters with the Cowboys worry you a little bit, Johnny Mac?
3: No. Plus, it doesn't worry me that he signed with the Cowboys. That's who's offering him a job. He wants to continue playing. He's, by the way, he's from Queen City, Texas, so which is about less than three hours from Dallas. So he's a Texas native to go along with it. Technically, that's his hometown team. But yeah, I mean, he's forty years old. The the you've seen him his last years with the Eagles. He wasn't the same player in Chicago. But, you know, it's more of, and we got Scott Grayson, our buddy from Fox 29, smiling face. Good to see you, Scott. Um, Jason Peters, uh, you know, he's a legend. People talk about him with reverence still in this building. Jordan Mailata did it last week. You saw Ross Tucker. If you saw Ross do a threat on the guy, the guy's a legend. But it, it's more of an indictment of the rest of the NFL, how offensive line deficient this league is that they kind of, deep you know dip into the jason peters pool the eagles did it when they remember they were going to move him the right guard scott and and then the injury happened and they had to move him back to left tackle and jason's like well you better give me more money if you want me to play left tackle um he was a great player here i don't have any issue do you scott grayson have, have any issue with jason peters playing in dallas
7: no, I mean, as you know, and these guys, uh, as you, uh, I thought, alluded to as well, you know, and, and we've talked about this before in the past. It's a business. These guys are trying to make a, make a living. Uh, and, and look, the guy's trying to hold on as long as he can. He's 40 years old playing offensive yeah. line. I mean, that in and of itself is just miraculous. And what the Cowboys were tapping into here is is as much of his mentorship and his knowledge as they are his skills, which, as we've seen, you know, it's, it, on a 40-year-old buy, I don't know how he does it right I mean I'm I'm 43 you try to play a football game and you tell me I'm going to get up the next morning uh, against those 300 plus defensive linemen um yeah it's uh, that, that that's got to beat you up and <clears throat> look we we criticized him one of the biggest my biggest problems with Jason Peters towards the end of his time here was you know he just couldn't stay on the field by the end of a game now you can ask yourself is 3 quarters of Jason Peters Worth what you're paying them, and uh, I think the Cowboys are bringing him in here because they want to take whatever they can get out of him. They are, they are obviously in a desperate position uh, at that spot, and I think they're looking to use as much of his knowledge, uh, and he's happy to give it as long as they're writing the checks and Jerry will pay him uh, to, to go down there and do it. I don't have a problem with it.
2: Yeah, I I like the way you look at it, Scott. Uh, that they're paying for his knowledge maybe more than his actual abilities on the field. And I immediately jumped to the abilities on the field. And that's why it didn't bother me. I remember what Jason Peters looked like in his last year here in Philadelphia. I talked to someone over the weekend who had him last year in Chicago and watched him attempt to play left tackle for the best. He's got none left in the tank. He might be smart. He might be a mentor. I saw um, Jordan Mailata talking about it, that uh, he still considers him a mentor and isn't surprised that he's still out there and he was a good team, all that. That's right, and uh, you pointed it out. He can't play, and he's not going to play for the Cowboys. And if he plays, chances are, as you correctly stated, he's going to get hurt. So
3: yeah. uh, unless and he's actually way, out
2: there helping the Cowboys win games, how can I have a problem with Jason uh, Peters signing I with the Cowboys? People
3: will forget about it. People forgotten that Harold Carmichael played with the Cowboys. Um, Randall. Randall played with the cap Cow- Tommy McDonald played with the Cowboys so you know wh- who's ever calling the phone at the end of your career you're picking it up and saying if you want to play I'm going to play for the Cowboys but right yeah it, it, it you know is he better than Tyler Smith as a rookie probably is he probably better than not. Tyron Smith no not even close so Desperate. Well, I got to tell you, Jody, for the Chicago Bears, he was their best left tackle. Now, he was in and out just like he was here, but they're a disaster. So at least he knows how to play. I think that's where the Cowboys are with Jason Peters. He knows how to play. Um, he'll be better than a rookie who probably shouldn't have been drafted in the first round, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones. That's that's about all the Cowboys are going for in in my estimation.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I talked to somebody who covers the Bears last, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and they said, yeah, he was not good. If he was the best left tackle he had,
7: it's because they had no other left tackles. So. Well, yeah. Well, that's well, he, part he, of it.
3: That's exactly.
7: Look, I, I, like you guys have been talking about, I, he, he's a Hall of Famer. He really is. And, and <laughs> what he did here that Super Bowl year was, was huge. He talked about it yesterday about how he mentored in, uh, you know, Vitae at the time, and Kalapula,
3: uh, Bati Vita, yeah, right.
7: And uh, you know, and so, you know, he played a role on that, on them winning that ring that year. And and I think all Eagles fans should appreciate what he did here. Don't deprive the man from having an opportunity to take some of the Cowboys' money because, in effect, they don't have it to spend Damn. on somebody else now. And uh, I think, frankly, if he lines up against Brandon Graham or. you know uh you you get uh reddick out there on him uh fine i'll take that match up every day of the week uh if he's still playing at the time the eagles play him he might be hurt by then he might be off uh you know on the bench by then who knows uh but
3: And and by the way, the Cowboys signed him to the practice squad to start out. So he's got to ramp up and get in shape. Yes. Right.
7: Yeah. He admitted yesterday that uh, until he puts the pads and the helmet on and gets out there and runs around, he's been, he said he's been working out and trying to stay in shape, but he's not in football shape, which I understand. And again, a 40 year old body, you got to ramp that thing back up. It's going to take some time.
2: All right, Scotty, I need your take on the Eagle offense this year. Um we all assume that the Eagles are going to throw the football more. They didn't pay AJ Brown 100 million dollars to come Correct. in and block uh to replace jjaw as a quality blocking <laughs> wide receiver. Now we expect them to throw the football more. Uh they led the National Football League in rushing last year and it worked for them. It got them into the playoffs. Do you have faith in the Eagles to find that right balance? They're going to throw more. Anyone who thinks they're going to go right back to what they did. No, they're not. But if they go a little heavy-handed on it, get away from the run, guys like Jody McDonald, John McMone, and maybe Scott Grayson (laughs) will second-guess them a little bit. Do you have faith that the Eagles' brain trust on the offensive side will find and strike the right balance run-to-pass
7: ratio? I have faith is faith is a very strong word, Jody. I, I have faith that they might eventually find the right balance. Do I have faith that they will come out of the shoot in week one with it? Uh, I don't really think so. And and look, some of that's human nature. If, if I'm calling the plays and I look now and I have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and I look out there and I have Dallas Goddard, who you look fine. You want to go take A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith away? That's fine. I'll exploit you over the middle of the field with Dallas Goddard all day. Kenny Gainwell coming out of the backfield. I look at it and I say, boy, they really have the op- the the offense, the weapons at this point, to go out and have some fun in the passing game. Now then we get back to the question of, do they have the right guy throwing the ball? Well, we're going to find out. Uh, I mean, the, the excuses are out the window now. He's got the opportunity <clears throat> and the weapons there to do the, what needs to be done. But when I look at this offense, its strength to me is the offensive line. This offensive line, when healthy, is, in my opinion, as good as any other out there in the league. And how do you not run the ball behind the amount of beef you have on the left side? Jordan Mailata and Landon Dickerson and throw Kelsey in the middle there because he's part of of that as well. How do you not run behind that and and, and at least pick up three yards to stay on schedule? Now, that being said, you know, if they're going to start then trying to take away the right, my game plan would be simple. It would be run the ball until they try to take the run away, and then you just go over the top or you hit A.J. Brown on a slant and let the guy run through tackles. I. <clears> it <throat> seems like it should be simple, and I have a feeling they're going to overcomplicate One. <laughs> um, I have a
3: feeling you're right, Scott. <laughs> I have a feeling you're right. That's right. an interesting conversation, so I want to flesh that out with you further because I'm on board, I think, with, where you are. But I'm also on board where Jody is in the fact that they're going to throw the football more. I think a lot of teams and I fall prey to this and I'm, you know, I'm going to self scout myself. I assume NFL teams are smart and that's, I shouldn't always have seen that assume that um, I, I, I look at the Eagles and you see, you have the two phases of last year, basically week one through six, really week one through five and a half, where they said, you know, what, we put too much on Jalen hurts plate. Then they scaled back, became more of a run-first offense. They had tremendous success from that point forward, made the playoffs. We all know the story. Now, they're better, obviously, um, talent-wise. A.J. Brown, everything kind of fits the place. He's the puzzle piece. All of a sudden, Devontae Smith is in a wide receiver one. He's a wide receiver two. You got the great tight end. Quez Watkins is in a two. He's a three. Everything falls into place. It looks great on paper. Um, To me, that's where the improvement should come from. You play the same way, but when the time is to throw the ball, you're better because you have better talent. That, to me, should be the plan. I don't think it's going to be the plan because the Eagles and a lot of other teams watched that divisional round playoff game between the Chiefs and the Bills, and they said, oh, boy, we can't keep up with that. I have two problems with that. One, that's not an every week scenario for even Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. They don't play like that every week. Jim Swartz used to say every game has a personality. That game had a personality. It was a shootout. They don't play like that every week. But my my larger point is, why are you trying to copycat Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen? You, you you can't do it. so maximize what you have. That's where I am. Am I crazy or does that make sense to you?
7: No, it makes perfect sense to me, but I think you also make a great point in that everybody saw that last year and said, oh hey I want I want that on my team and we all know what the personality of this owner is. Yeah, he wants that. He wants to see that ball slinging through the air. He wants to go up and down the field through the air. Um, he understands that you can't pass 100 percent of the time, uh, but you know I, I, you don't always know exactly what the message is behind the scenes. And, and look, we got we got AJ Brown. You know he wants to roll out that nice new shiny toy. He wants to see that guy light up the scoreboard on on Sunday. Will they do what needs to be done? I think you can you can do all that. I think you can you can you can definitely. Like, there's more than one way to to get to what you want. I think you can be a passing team. If you make the opponent respect the run first, it should open up a lot of things. And if bigger windows are there for Jalen Hurts to throw through, are you now not putting that guy in a position to succeed more than if you come out of the shoot and try to fit the ball into some tight spots? You know, I think the start of this season is going to be huge to try to dictate whether or not they build some confidence in Hurts, whether or not they, uh, you know, try to establish a little bit of an identity. Remember, that was the problem last year. We kept saying, what's the identity of this team? What's the identity of this offense? And we did the same thing with the defense, and I'm sure we're going to go there here in a little bit, but I think this team needs to find its identity, start establishing that in week one, build on it in week two. By the time you get to week three, now you're really able to start rolling some things out of the playbook off of what you've done to really create some tendencies that you want to counter. And you have the ability to be balanced. I think all three of us don't expect that to be the case, particularly early on, but I think you're right. I think the league looked at that game and said a lot of the owners, oh, hey, that's hot. I want that. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the people who understand football a little bit more, and I, I don't claim to be one of those people who understands as much as, uh, as coaches around the league, but, you know, there's a way to get there. There's a way to get success. And listen, yeah, they were going up and down the field, but if your defense was able to make one stop.
3: Yeah, 13 seconds. How about focusing on that? Get good exactly. enough to stop somebody in 13 seconds, then you win a football. But, you know,
2: I digress. <laughs> here's the here's the reason why I think the Philadelphia Eagles are going to throw the ball more this year than last year. Last year's statistics, leading rushing teams, number one, Philadelphia Eagles made the playoffs at nine and eight. Indianapolis Colts didn't make the playoffs. Baltimore Ravens didn't make the playoffs. Cleveland Browns didn't make the playoffs. So The three teams behind the Eagles and the ability to run the football, most yards per game, didn't make the playoffs. Go through the teams that led the uh, uh, league in passing last year. Playoffs, 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 playoffs. playoffs. Yeah, the league is a passing league. And the Philadelphia – this is one where Howie Roseman isn't willing to zig while everybody else is zagging. He's looking at it and going, yeah, we got to get better at that if we want to stay with the big dogs. All right, uh, Scott, speaking of that opening week, uh, Detroit – I know they've been a bit of a country uh, darling because of hard knocks. And I'll watch the last episode tonight. I've enjoyed it. I think it's well done. I I would go play for Dan Campbell. He's that kind of a guy. But I also can look at the Detroit roster and say, they're just not that good. Why are at least a percentage of Eagle fans and media members here in Philadelphia – Giving deference to the oh, you don't want to play the Lions early. You'd rather play the Lions late. They don't know how bad they're going to be. Well, I know how bad they're going to be, and I hope the Eagles know how bad they're going to be. They beat them forty-four to six last year. Why can't they go in and do something similar this year?
7: I, I really think they can. Um, uh, but but I will let me lead with this. I I was uh knowing I was talking to you guys this morning, I wanted to do a little bit of due diligence, and I was exploring some of the Detroit side, you know, to kind of say. We know what we think about the Eagles, but I'm curious, what do what do people in Detroit think about the Lions? And I found a couple of articles that were um, basically saying, you know, they're in a rebuild. We all know that, uh, but how do you know if they're going to be successful is basically whether or not they're getting blown out, whether or not they're getting in games, whether or not their coaching staff is making adjustments in close games. All things they haven't really had to do a whole lot of yet. Now, they were in some close games last year, and they didn't win them. They did win some games at the end. They finished strong. I will give them that. And yes, Dan Campbell can make a lot of people want to run through a wall for him, which I respect. I think that's great. You know, these are professional athletes. They shouldn't need to be motivated to run through a wall. If you pay them enough, they should run through the wall to get the check. But Mm -hmm. uh, if you need that extra little bit of motivation and fire, go for it. And I, I love what he brings to the game in that regard, but you're right. You look at that roster and it's still Jared Goff throwing the ball. Now, the Eagles won 44 46 last year, and their secondary only got better this year.
3: Nate They're Sudfeld, perfect. Scott. Nate Sudfeld. A play away.
7: A play yeah, away. exactly. And no, so, wait a minute. You, you told
2: me Chauncey Gardner couldn't get up and ready in 10 days. Nate's going to learn that whole playbook in Detroit in 10 well, days when Jeff yeah. goes down with a broken leg in the first quarter, <laughs> huh, Johnny Mac?
3: My, mine is a little sarcasm. I didn't call him unstoppable. Somebody somebody no, yeah. else
7: did. We know who did. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I see this, I see this, they are just going back to your point, Jody, they are the lions and you can't, you can fix a lot of things overnight in the NFL, the way it's structured these days that couldn't be fixed overnight and was going to be a work right now. Are they heading in the right direction? I think you can certainly say they're, they're making some good. I like Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, it, you know um, I think he's got a bright future in this league and, and, but you look at their roster, you look at their depth chart, you look at their starters and you know, you look at the Eagles and, it's the famous phrase and john you uh, you already used it once earlier on paper yeah. they should be more improved but if the eagles come out and are able to uh, you know i mean the biggest key to the game here is just get up on top of this team and start taking away <laughs> let the entire building start saying oh here we go again right yeah and let that let that be felt there and and i the biggest key to me is uh I just think this Eagles defense needs to set the tone. I really look at them as the ones who, you know, get a short field for Jalen hurts in the offense at some point. point, um, three and outs, make them punt a lot. Uh, you know, go hit Jared Goff a lot and perhaps get Nate Sudfeld out there. I, I, this, I don't know. Maybe my expectations are a little bit too high, but I know everybody's excited about the offense. Frankly, I'm most curious and most intrigued to see what this defense does in week one. What personality does it have? What does Jonathan Gannon do with these weapons? Because we we were critical of him last year, and I think rightfully so. But the, the easy argument in his case was he didn't have the right personnel, the right guys there. Well, they really do now. So I want to see this defense come out and really be the, the reason the Eagles win the game in week one.
3: Uh, I I want to get into the defense with you, but before I do, Scott, I I do want to talk about where Detroit is clearly better than the Eagles, and that's special teams. Um, that is my one concern, and nobody cares about special teams. Nobody cares. I know the I know the lines have a better punt returner because the Eagles don't have a punt returner, so I know they have one advantage: uh, uh, Khalid Raymond as their punt returner. Um, what's going on with the Eagles and special teams? Back when you had Chris Maragos and Brian Brayman, Najee good, the Eagles seem to identify a couple good, really good special teams players and save spots for them on the 53 man roster. They don't seem to do that anymore. Um, no. And I think it's a mistake.
7: I completely agree with you, and I'm glad you brought that up because it really does look like it has become an afterthought to this team. They you have, fine, you have five plays. Well, you have a punt returner who doesn't know what he's doing and catches the ball at the two-yard line on a fair catch or lets it bounce at the 13 and it rolls dead at the two. That really can hamper. An, it's it, you're, you're basically forcing a three and out because you're content just not to get a safety at that point and be able to kick the ball away and work yourself into – five, six yards out of the end, it can change a game. As we've seen in the past, some of those great Eagle teams, as you alluded to the personnel at the past, won games because of what those special teams units did. And it does feel like this team is overlooking that in a bit of a big way. And you do feel like it's going to it's gonna bite them at some point, right? A muffed punt at some point. Um, and, and I agree with you. Like I started wondering, if you don't have the guy who knows where he is on the field and can make that fair catch – in traffic, and you don't have 100% confidence he's going to pull it in, why not just go for the block and let it be downed? I mean, at least then you're not turning it over at the 10-yard line to an inferior Detroit Lions team, perhaps, that could end up changing a game and and perhaps even causing you a loss. To me, I agree with you, John. It's a little bit egregious and uh, malpractice on this team, the way they've treated special teams, as much as how he has done with everything else for the positive. And, and I don't want to start singing how he's praises too much because I've been critical of him in the past. They've ignored special teams and they don't have that specialist uh, at various levels to be able to win games like that. I think one of the biggest plays of the Super Bowl winning year was uh, Jake Elliott's 61-yard field goal against the Giants. Seemed to just get everything yeah. going in the right direction. Um, And you're right. They had great punt returners in the past who could break one and get a miracle at the Meadowlands. Do they have that guy right now that you think is there that could break I don't even
3: know who's going to return punts. None of us know. I'm going to talk to Michael Clay later. He's not going to tell me. We don't know. I have no stinking idea who's going to return punts in Detroit. Well, it
7: shouldn't decide the Lions game, but there's going to be games down the line where you could point to this. Why did he catch that ball? That should have been a a touchback. 20 yards of field position is a huge difference in that league. Good for good for the special teams coach because he's taken one out of the playbook of uh
2: the head coach. We need that competitive advantage. Yeah. We don't yeah. we don't want to tell anybody any which ahead crappy of, uh, pungle, we which to crappy option.
3: Which crappy option are we gonna put back to, That's <laughs> exactly uh, that's a competitive and advantage. Let's go for
2: the block. Yeah. And I'll give you my opinion on why the Eagles don't have Chris Maragos or the like on this team. Pretty simple. Situational substitutions. Everybody likes to have eight guys that are rolling in there on a defensive line and uh, passing down linebackers and running down linebackers and uh, four-runner, four-backs uh, in the backfield that if you don't have a bell cow back, we'll get them all in there and keep them fresh and the light. That's what the game's become. It's well, situational look, substitution. And when you only got 53, what's going to get cut? Yeah, your eight. special team
7: savant. You're using an extra spot on a quarterback right now. They've got three quarterbacks on the 53.
3: and Ian Book, he really doesn't have much of a ceiling as far as I'm concerned. I don't know what you guys feel, but I don't see the developmental potential. Like, they tried to claim Kellen Mont. I know Jody and I have talked about this. Jody's not a big fan. Nope. But at least he's got traits to where you can say, all right, if he figured it out. I don't see that with Ian Book. That was a little bit of a surprise to me.
7: It, it it was a puzzling move at the time. And the only thing I could think is, you know, how he always wants to be the smartest guy in the room. And sometimes he proves that this case, I feel like he got that. He got Ian book uh, because the moment a quarterback goes down, he can dangle Gardner Minshew out there. And we all know how, how he loves to just stockpile draft picks. So that is where I think that came from. But as we pointed out, it takes up for now an extra spot on that 53 man roster and every one of those guys is very valuable come Sunday.
3: Uh, deep bent. So you brought it up a couple times. So we'll talk about that. If I tell you, and we're going to have Seth join her an hour or two, I'm definitely going to ask Seth this. So I'm going to practice on you, Scott. <laughs> if I tell you from from an aggressive standpoint, it's, it's going to be the exact same thing. Um, but it's going to be better because of the talent. Are you happy with that?
7: I'm happy. I don't care what the method is to get there, right? But I'm happy when you're hitting the quarterback. I don't care if he gets rid of the ball. I mean, that was the biggest thing. All you had to do was scare Eli Manning and you could force a turnover. Yeah. Um, all you had to do was was hit Tom Brady, even if he got rid of the ball and you start making him uncomfortable. I need this defense just to get to him and hit him, hit the quarterback every week. And uh, obviously not a Derek Barnett 15-yard penalty, uh, but <laughs> but get in there um and and per the rules get legit hits on these quarterbacks uh because i think that's the biggest way then ultimately you you bang them around enough and they don't want to take another shot they're going to get rid of that ball and
3: jared goff is that kind of quarterback by the way yeah and so
7: you could scare jared goff into just throwing the ball up and 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 you start throwing the ball up and a guy like darius slay is going to start smacking his lips and wanting that ball you know and, and and thinking pick six so I don't care what the method is. If it if it is the same playbook as last year, but you just have better people to run your plays, I, I really don't care. I, I'm not one of those people who's banging the table saying we've got a blitz. But if you can't get to the quarterback with your regular pass rush, then you've got to find a way to get to the quarterback. To me, that's the biggest key in in, in all you want to do is just disrupt what they're trying to do. Well, the biggest key to me is you got to get back there one way or another. And with Reddick, with Brandon Graham back, with Jordan Davis. With, uh, um, you know, I I mean, N'Kobe Dean, I think, is going to actually be a playmaker for this team at times. Uh, You just look down the line and they've got more guys that you think should get there. Um, You know, and I I think to me, I don't care what it looks like, but just get there. Because last year they didn't. And they let teams go up and down the field. You just got to find a way to get there. That's all I think this defense needs to do. And everything will fall into place.
2: Scotty, you and I are very close on this. Uh, Here's my take if Jonathan Gannon wants to run the same defense that he ran last year and it works just because they got better players and that's how they start and that's how they finish. Good job, coach. But if they go to a first half and they've got a handful of pressures and one quarterback hit and zero sacks, here's what you got to do in the second half blitz. Not, well, that's not the way we do it. Well, no, you have to be able to analyze your own team in game. If it's not, if you're not getting a job done, You have to react. You have to make changes. And that was my biggest knock on Gannon last year. Not that he didn't blitz from the first play of the game. They didn't make the right adjustments and change things in game in some of the games where the defense didn't play well. And there were a handful of them last year. He's got to be able to react. And I know no one ever wants to admit that the other team is dictating terms, but sometimes they are. And you have to be able to adjust and make the calls on the fly. So I'm with uh, mostly with you, Scott, uh, pretty damn close to what John is as well. Oh, I don't need the blitz until I do. And when I do, I better be ready to blitz is the way I look at it.
7: Well, and you look at it too, and I I think the biggest thing last year that was frustrating was you could see they were just playing not to get beat over the top. Well, I mean, Tom Brady, you know, he's happy to just go down the field and keep racking up first downs if that's what you're going to give him. Um, And and so you've got to find a way to make them uncover, and, and I'm a big fan of dictate the, the series on first down. Don't just try to win first down and, and get somebody down short of three yards and say, okay, well, we won first down. You, you take a team and you drop Jared Goff back into a second and 13. That series is essentially over. All you have to do is just not make a stupid bonehead penalty, Derek Barnett, and you're good to go. And, 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 and so, that's, I think, some of what I'd like to see, some of that mentality. We're Philadelphia. We love that. We love Jim Johnson going out there. And from the moment that ball was snapped on the first play of the game, he was coming to bring his defense and make sure you knew they were there that day. I'm not saying we're going to have that here. I'm not expecting that here, frankly. But I do miss those days, and I love that kind of personality. Yeah, but I agree with that's you, Joey. Philadelphia, baby. <laughs> exactly. I, I agree with you in that um, when you can't get there, then you need to be able to say – Okay, let's open up the playbook for some blitzes, and we'll time this right. We don't have to do it every play. But when we get into a second and six, let's blitz him. It's Jared Goff getting his face. And thats I agree with you, Jody, that I'm fine with whatever he wants to run if they're getting there. But yes. I can't stand to sit and watch a team go up and down the field because you're afraid to get beat over the top. That's, Eight in that's, coverage,
3: that's, baby. Eight in yeah. coverage. Love to say it. Uh, at S. Grayson Fox 29, host of props and locks with her old friend, John Sanders. Breeland
7: on that show now, is Yeah, she, Breeland's uh, joined us now. Yeah, she's uh, right. she's bringing some knowledge too.
3: Breeland Moore, her and Devin Caney doing chugs at the Phillies game, <laughs> uh, all the time. Uh, so I'll leave you. I, I need a prop from Scott Grayson, an Eagles prop, uh, and I need an Eagles lock, preferably the lock on. Where's this team going? Um, What do you think the ceiling is? Prop, it can be anything. Jalen Hurts four thousand yards. Fans better hope not. Um, AJ Brown over a thousand yards. Dallas Goddard over a thousand yards. Give me a give me an Eagles prop. Give me an Eagles lock. I, I
7: would. I like the. I like the prop of you're talking about for the season. I yeah. Uh, I would focus on A.J. Brown. I think the guy yards after catch is so big, and I think that they're not going to necessarily look to complete the long pass to him. I think they're going to have plays dialed up where they get him the ball, high percentage completion, and let him try to do some things. Now, the biggest thing I hope they fixed is it was so frustrating seeing some of those screen plays last year get flagged back. They had touchdowns called back. And I think A.J. Brown is a guy who you give me a screen pass to him, a couple of blocks in front of him, and let him win a tackle one-on-one and go off to the races, and he can rack up yards that way. So I do like the idea of A.J. Brown being a 1,000-yard receiver this year, Um, and that's something, of course, we'll be watching. Uh, The question is, if he does get off to a hot start, what do teams do to try to take him away, and can somebody else on the team step up? But that's not his problem. As far as locks, I'm still a 12-win guy on the team. 12. I'm All still right. sitting at 12. I know the over under has been sitting at I think nine and a half or yeah. something like that yeah. I just look at this division and and perhaps I'm discounting Wentz and the Commodores that sounds like a band <laughs> uh or or um I just don't have any respect for the Giants I just don't see any reason no, to get they're, right re-building. They so, they're rebuilding they admit they're rebuilding so you got to find four wins in those two games in my opinion uh and I think you split with the Cowboys so now you got five wins now you got to win seven somewhere else we all know that eat the beginning of the schedules relatively I think they can get to 12 wins win the division but my whole definition of success I don't care if they don't get 12 wins this team has to win a playoff game in order for me to call this year a success now okay am I calling that a lock I'm not calling that a lock because I haven't seen this team play a game yet to understand how they might get there but uh, if, if I'm looking for something to to recommend, I I think this team gets to 12 wins, so over nine and a half for sure.
2: All right, Scotty. I uh, don't know if they actually have a prop out there for this, but I would at least look into it. What do you think the odds would be or should be for the Eagles to go six and zero in division? If you think they're beating the Commodores,
3: <laughs> I love Giants, that everybody calls the piece,
2: and they're going to win that first game against the Cowboys here. It all comes down to Christmas Eve. They're in Dallas. They could be 5-0 and in the division at that time. If they win that game, they go 6-0. What do you think the odds are on the Eagles? Uh, by the way, there was one team in the National Football League last year who went 6-0 and in division, and that unfortunately was the Dallas Cowboys because the Eagles played their JV the last game of the season. Otherwise, they might not have gotten 6-0, and so it's not an easy feat by any stretch of the imagination. What do you think the odds should be Eagles 6-0 in
7: division? Yeah, I'd probably put that at something like plus 1,000 because I'd want people to bet that for all the reasons that you said. It's just so hard. It's so hard to beat a team twice and beat three teams twice in one season, um, let alone three of those games being on the road. I mean, I just don't have faith. Faith, again, we'll, we'll round up where we began with that word. Uh, I don't have faith in this team to go 6-0 and in the division. They're going to trip up somewhere. I think it's going to be, I would say, a split with the Cowboys, and they go five and one. They might end up beating the Cowboys 2-0 and, oh and slipping up against Wentz and the Commodores uh, down there in Washington. It's,
3: yeah. I'm you know, going four and two, by the way. I think they're two. splitting with the, with the uh, Commanders and the Cowboys, which is not bad, by the way. Four and yeah. two is not bad. Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with
7: that. Yeah, it's uh, – yeah, the uh, – I think four and two is probably more likely. I'd like to believe they can go five and one because I think that's going to be a key to getting to twelve wins, like I said. Um, But you know, I think that uh, I I think six and zero would be very unlikely. And and you're right, Jody. It's so hard to do for any team in this in this league, uh, even teams with bad divisions. If it's five and one, take the
2: over. <laughs> you, you get a push at five and one, and there is a possibility they could
7: win all six games. It's true, it is possible, Scotty. Good stuff. Uh,
2: we appreciate whenever you jump aboard with us. We'll be watching you each and every single Sunday on Fox 29, every day with props and locks. Always good when you join us here on Birds 365. Thanks, bud. Uh, I love, love talking football with you guys. Enjoy the season,
7: Scott. Great.
2: Fox 29 here with us on birds 365. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, the Mac guys on birds 365. We'll come back a couple more things. I want to work through with John leading up to Detroit Eagles roster issues and the like, and then about 25 minutes from now, Seth Joyner is scheduled to join us part of our Jacob uh, sports Eagles post game show right here on the Eagles YouTube uh, channel. Uh, Looking forward to talking some football, specifically linebackers, with Seth Joyner. He's coming up in less than 25 minutes here on Birds 365.
5: The faces you know, the team you trust. The Delaware Valley's leading news program, Action News.
6: Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently.
2: Go first!
6: Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust go and go forward with us by your side first trust bank the official bank of philadelphia dreams oh and go birds
1: at pond lee hockey we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients and we're confident we can do the same for you with over 250 years of combined courtroom experience
2: Jody McDonald and John McMullen, a.k.a. the Mac and Mac Duo, here on Birds 365. Five days till the Eagles season gets underway in Detroit. Johnny Mack will be there covering it live for us, for Philly Boyd for uh, Sports Illustrated, um, staying in his favorite town of Romulus, Michigan, uh, <laughs> but re- ready to uh, watch the Eagles get the season underway. Johnny Mack, first play from scrimmage you'll probably be the second series of the game because uh, the coach will win the uh, <clears throat> flip of uh, the coin and then defer and and th- by the and way th- he
3: should defer this week Jody. i'm all on board defer 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 all you want against the detroit lions now when you play a high powered offense you got to be self aware and then you got to you got to do the opposite that's my problem with the eagles and the coin toss by the way uh, Joel Corey, uh, my buddy, the ex-agent who works for CBS Sports. I asked him, <clears throat> and he got back to me already. So thanks, Joel. Um, it, it, elevation, so if Anthony Harris was elevated for week one, does not count. Um, so he would not get his contract fully guaranteed.
5: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient.
3: just wanted to uh, firm that up. So that okay. is a loophole. The Eagles could have used that loophole and they wouldn't have had to guarantee Anthony Harris's entire salary. That makes more sense now. That's why when I read Ru- Ruben uh, Frank
2: <clears throat> suggesting that as a possibility, I said, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I believe that part of the reason they let Harris go was they wanted the flexibility to not have to pay him his entire guaranteed salary. But if you're telling me they could have just temporarily added him to the game day roster and not had to guarantee his whole salary, that makes a lot more sense. But it's now a moot point because Anthony Harris said, yeah, I'd rather go play for somebody else. And Eagle said, yeah, if you want to go, uh, we're not going to hold you to your practice squad commitment. So he's no longer here. All right, then, Johnny Mac, here's the question. And this goes right back to our buddy, the defensive coordinator, your boy, uh, uh, getting ready for the first game, Jonathan Gannon. <laughs> um, I, one of my knocks against him, and I like the guy. Uh, again, you got to be careful the way you state things because people take them out of context. I'm a Jonathan Gannon fan. I like him. I think he's a good defensive coordinator. I'm glad the Eagles have him. I don't think he's the next coming and I still don't understand why he got some head coaching uh, interviews last year, but I do like him as the Eagles defensive coordinator. It doesn't mean I have to agree with everything he does. And one of my knocks last year was in-game adjustments. I just don't think he was great at that. And I think he needs to be better at it this year. In-game adjustments for uh, Chauncey Gardner. If you can see breaking down the film his position coach on top of it knows where he's supposed to be that he's not quite up to speed that he is in the wrong place at some time or makes the wrong reading alike what did the Eagles do if that's the case first thing first I guess I should get you on the record you think he's starting at safety for the Eagles oh yeah on Sunday, right?
3: uh, Nick basically I asked Nick that last week he basically confirmed it you know I asked him, how do you get him up to speed? Is it possible to get him up to speed? And then he gave, that was his, we pay Jonathan and Denard Wilson, a lot of money uh, to get these guys up to speed. Yeah. He's going to be out there. He's going to be starting at safety, um, which that part is not a surprise to me. The, the, and the reason I have questions is I don't care who it is. It's not an insult to Chauncey Gordon or Chauncey Gardner Johnson. It's, You know, 10 days, 10 days. And we just went through Tchaikovsky-Tart, who's played safety for seven years in the NFL, on a very good defense, on a very good team, uh, who plays essentially the same scheme, by the way, um, and terminology differences he was having a problem with uh, all summer. Now, maybe it was just they were trying to protect Tchaikovsky because he wasn't that good. But which one is it, Jody? he's having trouble the long term 7 year safety who plays in the same scheme is having trouble but the guy who doesn't play safety coming to a new scheme is going to learn it in 10 days which one is it i you know i don't buy that uh and and when i did talk to that personnel executive he pegged it at 70% all right that i buy that i buy maybe he's got 70% of the defense in his pocket and that doesn't mean He's not going to make mistakes because he's only got 70% of the defense in his pocket. So look, I think Chauncey Gardner Johnson is going to be long-term a significant upgrade for this team. Short-term, I don't know if that's going to be the case.
2: All right. So my question is about the short-term, AKA Sunday against the lions. If Gardner is either in the wrong place or not up to speed and or is in filling his role and what you're supposed to do on every single play because he just hasn't had enough time to know every intricacy of the defense. Who's coming in to replace him?
3: I don't think they are replacing him. I mean, you would have to
2: Well, then I'm going to be critical of your boy, JG, again. Because if he's getting beat and not making plays, they're just going to throw him out there because he's our safety and we have to stick with what we're doing. No, you got to be able to adjust and and make changes
3: on the fly. What, What are we talking about? Like, if he's given up three touchdowns, all right, then I might agree with you. But part of the reason why is the Lions aren't a good team and you think you can kind of get by them, and not you know your optimum level so to speak if he gives up a play here and there no they're not going to replace him if he gives up three touchdowns in the first half yeah then maybe they go all right we got to try Kayvon wallace we got to try reed blankenship uh we got to right, try that's, something that's what else. i'm
2: trying to get at john in case you didn't pick up on it And I know it's most likely not going to happen. You're right. He's going to stay out there. He will have picked it up. He's going to be fine. But if that's not the case, I guess I'm asking you hypothetical. And he's making things I can recognize, watching the game on TV here in my basement on Sunday. Forget about you in the stadium. I can pick up on it uh, from the television. So it's obvious the coaching staff is going to see, oh, man, he wasn't where he was supposed to be who will be the guy they will call on to plug the hole when they get him off the field?
3: I would think, I would, well, a couple things. I would think it would be Kayvon Wallace. I would choose Reed Blankenship. I don't even think Kayvon Wallace deserved to make this team, but this is the reason I would have kept Anthony Harris. This is the exact reason. It would have been easy. Um, Ultimately, though, look, if somebody's having a bad game on it, you know, people don't like Derek Barnett. Then you can go to, you know, just play Josh Sweat some more, Brandon Graham. You can even go to Teron Jackson. You talked about the linebackers. You finally have some depth. If TJ or Kaiser, you know what the bed, you can go to N'Boby at corner. Um, you have some issues, you're going to have a big drop off. And at safety, you have a huge drop off. So my I I wouldn't criticize Jonathan Gannon for staying with with the status quo at safety because he doesn't have an alternative. I would criticize him at more on the defensive line and linebacker where he has alternatives. If you don't have an alternative, I like get Bradbury has a bad game and I don't think he's going to have a bad game. You're not going to go to Zach McPherson. I mean, that's crazy. I, I, the, 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 you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Same thing at safety. I'm not going to K Wallace period. I'm, John, I'm not going to read blanket shit. John, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just
2: trying to enforce what you've already said. You told me you talked to an NFL executive who said, yeah, 10 days at best, he's going to be 70% up to speed. And that's why I would well, he's CRS. 70% up to speed that leaves room for the guy to not to, for the coaching staff to be able to judge. Uh Oh, he's not getting the job done. Now you want to talk about a month from now? If he gets beat on a couple of plays, oh, my God, we got to get him off the field. No, 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 no. He's that much better a player than Kayvon Wallace. Get back out there and do it better. I'm only talking about the first week or two here when there's legitimate concern for him not to be up to speed with what the defense expects.
3: And that's why I would have kept Anthony Harris on the 53. He's not an option. I I can tell you right
2: now, not an option week one, Johnny Mac. He's no longer an eagle.
3: And it changes the dynamic. That's my point. I I would have paid, essentially, you're paying $1.5 million insurance policy for maybe four weeks. And yeah, you got to suck it up if you want to cut them from that point forward. It changes the dynamic. If I have Anthony Harris, I'm comfortable sitting him and saying, you know what, Chauncey, you're not ready. Let's let Anthony finish things up. I'm not comfortable with the other alternatives. So, Chauncey, you're in the deep end of the pool, buddy. Suck it up. Give me the best you got. I can't go to those other two alternatives. Can't do it. Can't do it. I can't go to Zach. against
2: the lions. You can't do that. Can't do it. That is, if that's the case, and that does not say much about your backups, you you can't even put in to stop Jared Goff. It's going to get worse later in the year when you start facing better quarterbacks.
3: If if you you can't bring
2: yourself to put him in a game against Jared Goff, you're right. Why the hell are they there?
3: They have they have these tremendously high expectations. And I've been talking about this for a while. Everything in the NFL is about injuries. Everything. But you just you've already seen it in Dallas with with what's going on with Tyron Smith. And they got to bring in 40 year old Jason Peters. You're already seeing it in Dallas. If the Eagles have an injury at corner or safety, they're in some deep doo-doo. And that's why I would have kept the insurance policy. That's what, I, at, at safety, you had an insurance policy. I got news for you. I don't think any of their backup cornerbacks can play, and that's the guys they cut as well. I have seen nothing from Zach McPherson. Everybody acts like he's a deference player. I've seen nothing from Zach McPherson. Now, it's a huge drop-off from Darius Slay and James Bradberry. Understandable. Those are two really good players. But it's a huge drop-off. It's a huge, huge drop-off. They're probably a little bit better in the slot because they got a bunch of different uh, players. CJ can play the slot. Josiah Scott can play the slot. And by the way, I didn't even bring up Josiah slot, uh, Scott at safety because he's got a hamstring issue. So he'd probably be ahead of both of them, um, Kayvon Wallace and, and Reed Blankenship, if he was healthy. But I'm not confident in them. Um They have some issues at certain positions with depth. Tight end, uh, we've talked about a lot. Running back, I I don't think Kenny Gainwell has had a good summer at all, and we don't know what Trey Sermon is. I I do know San Francisco has the best running scheme at football, and they don't think he was good enough. Um, so they they have some issues at depth at certain positions, and safety is is one of them, and that's why I would have paid Anthony Harris to be an insurance policy.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the depth at safety and corner, man. That is a big drop off after your first three. I'm okay at tight end now. If Grant Calcaterra takes a shot to the helmet week one, uh, and and he's back on IL with concussion syndromes, yeah, that that that's a problem. But Goddard's Goddard, and he's going to be really good this year. Yeah, I know he can always be hurt. That's why we're talking about depth. Stoll is what he is. He's a blocking tight end, and if Calcaterra stays healthy. I think he actually can contribute to it. I think, I think they've got as good a tight end room as almost every team in the national football league right now.
3: Who's got that much better tight end depth than the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, there's certain your New York jets are one of them. Um, you know, they've signed, uh, CJ Uzama. They signed Tyler Conklin. They drafted a kid in the third round, I think. Um, You would know better than I. I don't know how they're uh, working
2: out. But but, but Rutgers. Uh,
3: Uh, uh, No, Ohio State, record. Yeah, Uh, Rutgers, Jeremy Rutgers. Yeah, Um, that's better. That's better. Not better. You know, Uzama, I assume, is starting. I don't know. No, I think Conklin's
2: going to start. Yeah,
3: Conklin, they're pretty even. Uh, They're both good. They're not got it. But overall, obviously, the Eagles have the better tight end one. But overall, they have more depth at tight end than the Eagles. There's there's a number of teams that have two good tight ends. The yeah. Eagles don't have two good tight ends.
2: Yeah, I'm a bigger Calcutta fan, apparently, than you are. I got faith that the kid's going to be able to play, stay play. and make <laughs> plays. In the little bit, bit what we that we did see, he kind of flashed. The Eagles keep their players Man. so much under wraps. Uh, that he did uh, actually get a chance uh, and made some plays when he was out there. So, um, uh, Howie, I'm with you on that. The sixth-round draft picks, sixth is a key eagle draft round, and I think he's just going to be another one to add to that list. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac here with you on Birds 365. He was in the green room a second ago. I guess he had to get a cup of coffee. Hopefully he gets it and comes back and is in front of his computer. Coming up next here on Birds 365, it will be our pleasure to talk to Seth Joyner who of course is part of our Jacob Media YouTube uh, Eagles post game show Uh, very much looking forward to having Seth as part of the team this year he joins Becca Mac next here on Birds 365
5: My wife was in an accident that changed our lives forever she was in rehabilitation for years She had to learn to walk again. She couldn't take care of herself. We couldn't afford a nurse. We were running out of options. One conversation with Pond Lee Hockey changed everything. They understood what we were going through and immediately helped us navigate the legal process. We can't thank them enough. Pond Lee Hockey. Tell us your story.
1: Go for the poles And the pools.
5: It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action News on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action News at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I
8: get scared
4: sometimes of a lot of things.
8: Joining in,
4: decisions,
1: the dark. The dark. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work,
2: give Pond Lee Hockey a call. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
8: and you're telling me i can get one of these glasses for free
7: that's right one free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of stateside vodka so good it just disappears
2: Mo and Jenna McDonald, your Mega MacBirds 365 guys, are joined by greatness. Uh, all-time Eagle, great linebacker, Seth Joiner, who's going to be part of our Jacob Media YouTube channel family during this upcoming Eagle season. What the heck are you drinking this early in the morning out of a can, Joyner? Oh, ginger ale, man. All right. Yeah. Ginger ale at 917. You go that early to the ginger ale?
8: Hey, it's better than coffee, man. <laughs>
3: yeah, it's very crisp ginger ale. I like ginger ale. I I'm got on, coffee, I'm on board not. with Sorry, Seth, I but...
2: need the caffeine.
3: Yeah. Well, Seth, uh, since we got you, obviously, I want to talk defense with you first and foremost. Um, And, it, you know, you're known for being that aggressive mindset back on, on your defenses back in the day. Leaks changed a little bit for a number of reasons, but. If I told you that Jonathan Gannon is going to play the same way he played last year, but the Eagles defense is going to be better because they have more talent, would you be happy with that? Or do you need to see some schematic uh, adjustments, more aggressiveness? What does Seth Joyner need to see out of this defense?
8: No, I, I don't like – listen, I mean, think about the, the defensive coordinators that have come through the city and the teams that have been successful. Um, I just think the brand of defensive football in Philadelphia really needs to be a more aggressive style of football. Now there are extremes when you talk about, you know, aggression. And I know a lot of people think that, you know, when they hear me talk about, you know, um, aggressive styles and defenses is that, you know, I'm talking about all out blitzes, zero coverages and things like that. I get it that today's defensive coordinators are scared to death of those types of, those types of coverages because the thing that they fear most is getting beat deep, you know, where we understood in our day that the quarterback, if the quarterback's the most important player on the field, and we got to figure out a way to disrupt him, disrupt his timing. Now you can be aggressive, but you don't have to be overly aggressive. Like when I think about aggressive defensive coordinators, the first guy that comes to my mind is Buddy Ryan, overly aggressive. You know, I mean, I'm sure you guys remember, you guys were around in the media when we had the San Francisco 49ers down 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter. And Buddy just, you know, took play calling away from Jeff Fisher and went blitz crazy. And we wound up, you know, giving up four touchdowns in nine minutes and losing that game 28 to 21. That's like silly aggression. Um but I understood why he did it because, Buddy was the type of guy that wanted to send a message. Hey, we're going to see those guys in the playoffs down the road. We want them to know that their asses is kicked today and their asses is going to get kicked the same way tomorrow. So I get it. I understand. But defensive coordinators don't think that way today. And a guy like Bud Carson, he was like a nice medium, you know, guy between he understood when to be aggressive and when to back off. Um, so when you look at defenses today, to your point, John, you're 100%, 100% correct. Most of these guys are just scared, and, and they're going to play this Bimba-Don't-Break style defense. But I submit to you what that does is that always puts your offense, you know, in a, in a dicey situation because your offense better be outscoring, you know, the teams that you play. Because the offense is the one that's going to have to make a difference when you're talking about playing passive-style defense.
2: Seth, uh, I need you to give me your first impressions. And that's all we can have at this point because the young man hasn't played it down in the National Football League yet. But we've got to see some preseason action and practice stuff and the like. They used their first-round draft pick on Jordan Davis, a man-child in the middle of the defensive line, <laughs> You used to play behind a guy by the name of Jerome Brown, who could do a lot of the same things that Eagle fans are hoping Jordan Davis could do. What you've seen, what the coach have told you, what your impression is of Jordan Davis before his career ever takes off, how good is this kid going to be?
8: You know, it's funny because, you know, every time we get a defensive tackle in Philadelphia, the standard – has always been jerome brown Jerome brown yeah you know when, when we got fletcher cox you know when fletcher started to ascend for a while we wanted to make you know those comparisons you know and i used to shoot it down because i'd watch fletcher play and at times fletcher would you know show up and show up big and other times he'd kind of be like casper the ghost you know you wouldn't even <laughs> know he was on the field um so i got to a point i'm like don't you ever make that comparison jerome brown to fletcher cox he ain't even close to jerome brown um, you know, on his best day, because Jerome played every play. Now, when you talk about Jordan Davis, what Jordan Davis brings is an ability to play the run like Jerome. My biggest concern about Jordan is, is is his weight and can he move? You know, can he move? Can he have the type of movement that Jerome had? Because, you know, when people think about Jerome, they they primarily think about a run stopper and a guy, you know, Every once in a while, he could get a little bit of pressure, you know, on the quarterback. But Jerome was highly athletic. His feet, his footwork was just, you know, phenomenal for a guy his size. Um, you know, and he was a student of the game. There are many, many times where I'm off the ball behind him. He's got his hand on the ground. and He turn back and look at me. He'd be like, hey, man, I'm gone cover me. I'm like, wait a minute. What the hell are you gone where? <laughs> you know, Now I knew what he meant because. You know, I understood gap responsibility in both directions, flow to and flow away, you know. So I knew what he was up to. So if he was telling me, hey, I'm going to take your gap, you, you know, you cover mine and you want to know something nine times out of ten, when he did that, he made a play for a loss in the backfield, you know. So I didn't have a problem with it, even if it meant me, you know, having to take on two guys because, you know, he was taking a chance. Now, does Jordan Davis have that potential? Absolutely. The mass alone helps the Eagles in the run game. But my concern when you move up to number 13 overall, you know, to take this guy is that did you just spend the draft capital and the movement that you had to make to move up and get him before the Baltimore Ravens because they were very high on him? Yeah. Did you make those moves for a run stopper or did you make those moves for a guy who can be the complete package a defensive tackle? Because for all intents and purposes, Fletcher Cox signed a one-year deal, couldn't mean the end of his tenure here after this year. Um, if his contract demands are going to remain as high as they are from a salary cap standpoint, you can't keep paying a guy, you know, fourteen to 50, twenty million dollars a year to give you six, five or six sacks, three point five last year per season. That's just bad economics when you look at your cap. Um, but the question is, can can they keep his weight under control? Because, you know, last year he played at 355. He went to the combine at 340, tore it up, ran a 478. Um, that's what, you know, really threw him through his draft stock, you know, way over the top. Um, but, you know, when I, when I look at him, you know, he's a little bit of a mama's boy. And um, you know, mama's boys like to eat. Mama's gonna come in town. She's gonna cook them sweet potato pies, collard greens, cornbread, all that stuff. You know that'll make your ass fat. Okay. <laughs> and, and at the other at the other end of the spectrum, guys, he lives in the city of cheese steaks and yeah cakes. Yeah. You know. So if you don't keep this guy under control, man, I you just. He has the potential to be 350, 360, 365. And sometimes, you know, organizations won't put their foot down and designate a weight for, you know, their top players to stay at. And before you know it, you got a problem. Now, it seems to me he wants to be great and, you know, he'll do the things that are necessary. But I would love to see him down at 325, 330. I think that, you know, if you can get him down to that weight, now you can, you know, get a jump rope in his hand, get a ladder, you know, put him on the ladder every single day, work on his footwork. And now you can work on his his movement because it's one thing to have a guy to clog a, 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 a double team or a guy that you put him in the gap and because he's in the gap, you know, he can dominate that gap. Or even in your five-man front, which I think the Eagles want to be in, you know, a lot this year, if he's playing on the nose, there's not a center in the league that he can't dominate. But, you know, you still want to be able to move. Um, And I'm not talking about chasing that one play down and then tapping your helmet because you're gassed and you're out of breath and you got to come out of the game.
3: Um, Let's talk about that scenario, Seth. You know, because I think we all think of Jordan Davis right now he steps on the field probably as a, I don't want to say elite, but he's going to be a really good run stuffer early in his career. Then long-term we'll see if he can develop into something more. But as a linebacker, if somebody is, you mentioned Jerome making plays, having that sort of innate ability to shoot a gap. Somebody who's just taken up two blockers. What what does that do for a linebacker? You kind of saw it at Georgia with Nicobe Dean who's, you know, kind of undersized. And when you see N'Kobe Dean highlights, almost all the time, that big guy was right in front of him taking up a bunch of blocks.
8: Well, listen, I, if, I've never seen a successful linebacker, and I tell people all the time, I attribute, you know, my success in the league, especially my first eight years here in Philadelphia, you know, to a great defensive front, you know, um, I think it's hard to play the linebacker position when you don't have, you know, a good front four in front of you. Um, Double teams are going to happen. It's just, that's just a part of the blocking scheme just because, you know, you've got an odd number of players on the field rather than an even number. If there was 12 or 10 players on the field, everybody could get their man and it's just, you know, man on man. But because you have the odd number, you know, and you got linebackers off the ball with, with defensive linemen on the ball and you got to figure out how to get those second level guys blocked, you know, you're going to face double teams. Now the Eagles weren't that bad as far as double teams were concerned last year. It was just the linebackers did not understand how to fit. You know, when anytime that, anytime that I got a, a play play side or even backside where my, one of my defensive tackles are doubled, it's my job to come downhill and take that double team off. Okay, if I can take that double team off, then that allows the sooner I can do that, the sooner that allows that defensive tackle to maintain his gap integrity. And if I come down and I take him off the right way, whether it's you know with the inside shoulder free, you know whether it's with the outside shoulder free, whether I'm turning it back, you know, to my backer on the inside or a safety that's dropping in the box or whether I'm spilling it to the outside. Now what I do is I got my defensive tackle in his gap. I'm in my gap. The other tackle might be in his gap. Now we got a wall. But the problem is when these guys don't come downhill, when the linebackers don't come downhill, then you got 600 plus pounds laying on one defensive tackle and you're getting movement. So now he's pushing the guy three, four yards, you know, down the field. And by the time he comes off to get on me, because I haven't moved from my four to five yards depth, they've already eaten up five yards of real estate, you know? So now the the wide receiver, the the running back, excuse me, hits the gap and he's got a two way go where, where, where he wants to go. Or he's just staying close to the double team, you know, until somebody makes a mistake and gets in the wrong gap. And then he exploits it. I'm
2: sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. All right. Um, This is tremendously intriguing to me. The Eagles are probably going to play a, quote-unquote, 3-4 defense this year with uh, Hassan Reddick being a linebacker, whereas we think he's going to be up on line getting to the quarterback, having to do some serious uh, run coverage as well. You played the majority of your career in Philadelphia in a standard 4-3, which means you were an outside linebacker with four guys in front of you but you were a guy who could get to the quarterback as a a pass-rushing linebacker. How would Seth Joyner have done with only three defensive linemen? If you were an outside linebacker in a 3-4 rather than a 4-3, I know there's a whole bunch of intricacies to be able to pinpoint and have to break down and the like, but just generally speaking, would you have been even better in a 3-4 defense?
8: No, I don't think so. I I, I think that my skill set was built – you know, for a 4-3. Now, th- that doesn't mean that we didn't run, you know, the 3-4. I mean, but it was masterful for the things that he did. You know, sometimes we'd be in a 4-3. we shift the line over. Clyde would stand up, especially early in his career, because when Clyde and I were drafted, you know, hell, I weighed more than Clyde. Clyde wasn't pounds, <laughs> you know. So early in our career, you know, we, we'd morph you know, we could morph from 3-4 four to 4-3 four, and back and forth and, you know, it causes a myriad of problems, um, you know, with the blocking scheme if you do it the right way. Um, as far as, you know, playing in that system, it's a big difference between, you know, being the guy that plays over on the strong side that has to deal with the tight end all the time and the guy that lines up, you know, in the catbird seat, the weak side end. Cause really he just becomes the, the, the fourth pass rusher, um, you know, and I'm, I don't really, especially today, I don't really get so bent out of shape so much on, um, on four, three, you know, a or, or 30 front, just because personnel today dictates defensively what personnel, offensive personnel, I should say dictates, the offense the defensive personnel that you put on the field. You know, so primarily most teams for the most part are 4-2, four 4-1, four depending on, you know, what you bring in in the back end, whether you actually go nickel or dime or big dime or whatever it is that you do. But for the most part, you know, you're 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 a 4 2 defense now in these three wide receiver sets. Um, the interesting interesting thing for me is going to be um, you know, you, you signed Hassan Reddit, and I'm curious to see how they're going to use him. Um, you know, do you line him up just, you know, in, in the, the four-man look in third-down situations? Are you primarily going to line up in a five-man look? Because what he brings to the defense is the ability to do what Kerrigan and Jannard Avery could not do last year. You know, yeah. they couldn't – they were passing liabilities, Um, you know, in the scheme, especially in the red zone, passing liabilities, you know, in that defense. You know, when they got into it, teams pretty much knew that they had to play zone behind it. So one of those guys was going to come. One of those guys was going to drop. And whatever side dropped, that's the side that they attacked because those guys didn't have, you know, the the, skill set to be able to drop into coverage or cover, you know, a tight end or cover, you know, a back out of the backfield. You know, I think that kind of goes away with a guy like um, Hassan Reddick because he can do all of those things much more effectively than those two guys. But then again, you didn't pay him what you paid him, to bring him here, you know, to drop yeah. in the coverage and cover guys. You you know, this guy has had double-digit sacks the last two years. That was the value of why you signed him, you know, during during free agency. So my biggest question is how are you going to use the kid? Because you can't line him up. You know, in a four-man front, at six foot two, two hundred thirty-five to fifty pounds, and think that he's going to survive an entire season against you know offensive linemen that are two, that are three, you know, three twenty to three three thirty-five. You know, so I'm just really curious as to you know how they're going to deploy him and and how they're going to use him. I know how I would. You know, I've got all kind of ideas and different things that I could do with him. But you know, I'm curious to see what Jonathan Gannon is going to do. I'm not the defensive <clears> coordinator. <court, throat>
3: Yeah, J.G. calls them overhang players. So that's uh, that's what Hassan Reddick's going to mainly be. But you're going to have the curveball where he's going to have to drop into coverage because mm-hmm. you you got to mix things up. But I, I want to get your thoughts, Seth, on a true all-ball linebacker on this team, and that's T.J. Edwards, because I think he's the most underrated player on this team. And a lot of it stems from how he came in as an undrafted guy. And for those who don't know, uh, Seth was an eighth round pick back. They didn't, you know, they don't even have eight rounds now. Um, So back in 86, I believe, eighth round pick. Um, Do you feel like some, as a late round pick is developing, and by the way, Damo is fighting every year to get you in the hall of fame. Seth should be in the hall of fame. So she was, we should say that. Um, Do you find a, a kinship with these guys who sort of, make their way, undrafted, late-round picks, who, who, who developed. But T.J. still got that. You know, people are always saying, okay, when is Nicobe going to take his job? What, what do you think of T.J. Edwards as you look at him as an all-ball linebacker?
8: Well, I think that, you know, T.J. got a taste of what it's like to be a starter last year. I think he's extremely smart, you know, especially in the run game um I think he under he's gotten to a point where he understands zone coverages but I think the passing game you know is where you know his liabilities lie um if I was to you know game plan offensively against him you know I'd try to figure out a way to put him in the mixer as much as I could um whether that's in man coverage you know or whether in zone um I would be scheming you know, how to stretch him out of his zones um, because he, he doesn't have the foot speed that some of these other linebackers have. Um, but he's the, – the, the issue is, you know, when you're, when you're one of those guys that there's not much expected of and you have what's in here, you know, to fight, a lot of times all you need is an opportunity. And last year, TJ got a taste of what it was like to be a starter. And he he's, he's just not giving it up. The only thing that might get him off the field is an injury, um, and, and 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 play quotas, if you will, because nobody plays the whole game anymore. You know, so the Kobe's going to get some playing time. Um, you know, some of these other backups are going to get some playing time just because you know the analytics, in my opinion, has has kind of ruined the game from the standpoint that says the more. Most of these guys only play 50, 55 to 60 percent of the plays. I mean, as defensive starters, the only guys that play the entire game is the quarterback and the offensive line. Everybody else, they're like rotating them in because the analytics say, you know, the more that they play, the higher the probability somewhere down the road, you know, they, they may get hurt because they're playing tired. My thing is, why don't you get your ass in shape to play?
1: And <laughs> plays the game,
5: you know,
8: so you can, so you can stay out there. I never wanted to come off the field. You know, I always felt like if I gave my rep to, you know, my backup, he might get one of my sacks or one of my interceptions or one of my cause fumbles. So, you know what, if I got a suck win until I can get it together, I ain't coming off the field, but these guys are just wired different. And they've been, they've been kind of brainwashed by sports science and, trainers and all this crap, you know, that this is the way that you should do it. So all these guys are going to get some playing time. But, you know, T.J., he's not going to he's not going to give up the opportunity, you know, to be that guy in the middle, not going into the second year playing, you know, in this system. So he's going to be better in this system than he was last year. And last year he was the best linebacker, in my opinion, that they had. Um, but – you know, you talk about TJ. You know, and I, I I love a I love an underdog story, man. But I'm telling you right now, that kid Kazir White, he's, he's gonna be a Pro Bowl linebacker this year, man.
2: Nice. nice. I, I
8: love I love what he does when I watch him play. Extremely cerebral, um, understands the game. You know, he's thinking ahead in the play, and he's you know he, he's 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 playing the game in the quarterback's head. You know, that first preseason game where he intercepted the ball, the way he kind of baited the quarterback, I mean, you just don't see linebackers do that. You know, they're always looking at the quarterback, looking at the quarterback like a deer in the headlights, and by the time the quarterback throws the ball, now they're breaking. You can see him anticipate that play long before the quarterback even thought about it, um, thought about throwing it there. So I like what he brings at the table. And guess what? The Philadelphia Eagles...
3: I have linebackers,
8: they finally got a linebacker Yeah, yeah. are you kidding me? They finally <laughs> got a linebacker. Yeah. Uh, I can I can finally watch Philadelphia Eagles football without pulling my damn hair out. And y'all <laughs> know I'm bald uh, not as much as there <laughs> used to be.
2: All right, Seth, I need to get inside your head when it comes to quarterbacks. And you get a unique perspective on this. You didn't have to play him in the regular season, but you did have to go up against him in practice. And I'm talking about Randall Cunningham. Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts has a skill. He, after Lamar Jackson, for me, is the second best running quarterback in the National Football League. I think the Eagles would like him to run less this year. I have this kind of niggling fear in the back of my neck that says, yeah, they may take that weapon away from him. And I don't want to see that happen because he made too many plays with his legs last year. I'm cool with reducing it, but I don't want to see it disappear. How difficult is it to play linebacker against a guy like a Randall? You did that. Comparing to what Jalen Hurts is, is this something that the Eagles have to handle very carefully this year? That they want to continue to benefit from it, but not make it disappear.
8: No, I think that I think that Jalen Hurts needs to continue to develop. And I think he needs to continue to use the skill set that allowed them to have the number one running offense, you know, in the NFL last year. I mean, they averaged 159 yards a game. And a lot of that had to do with Jalen Hurts. Yep. Um, Now, when you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson, who's slight of frame, you just knew that it was a matter of time before he was going to get broke up the way that he was running. You know, you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts squats six hundred pounds.
4: Yeah,
8: I mean, you got you got linebackers and offensive linemen that can't, you know, lift that kind of weight. Now, I'm not worried about the lower the lower body injuries so much as I am, you know, what can transpire in the upper body. You know, now can he help himself by being smart by getting down? Absolutely. Um, But you know, listen, I I agree. They've got to just allow him to play the game the way that he plays it. But it's incumbent upon the coaching staff. And this is, you know, this is my take. I was just talking about talking with someone about this just the other day. You know, um, we're moving into an era where um, the spread offense has dominated football. So two tight end sets, two back sets, you know, 12 or 21 personnel. You'll see it, but, you know, you're not going to see it a lot. Um, teams want to go three wides and they want to open the game up. You know, uh, if yeah. that's the case, you know you see these these young quarterbacks in high school, and you see these young quarterbacks in college that have these skill sets. They can throw the ball, but they can run like a damn deer. You know, and these coordinators aren't hell bent on stopping them from running because they understand that if it's zone, you can scramble you know, horizontally to the line so guys can come back. If it's zone, if it's man, oh, you take off because all they got is one safety back there. He's 40 yards down the field. By the time, you know, the defenders who are man-to-man look up, if he can break, at the quarterback and get outside the pocket, by the time they look back, he's going to get 15, 20 yards before the defense can even react to him. My thing is, when you see, you know, black quarterbacks, very rarely in history have you seen offensive coordinators say, okay, we're going to develop this guy. Like when Lamar Jackson came out, I wanted Lamar to go to, to – um, I can remember doing – I was on Speak for Yourself with Colin Cowherd and um, and Jason Whitlock. And I said, man, I want that guy to go to, 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 um, to New England. And they was like, New England? Why would you want him to go to New England? I'm like, because – He's going to be able to sit behind Tom Brady for a few years. He's going to have the benefit of Josh McDaniels and the, the 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 brain power of Bill Belichick to work with him and teach him how to be a quarterback, how to go through your how to go through your progressions, how to read defenses, how to notice when teams are trying to disguise things. You know, all of those things help you develop. That's the problem. He goes to Baltimore, okay and they develop an offense for his skill sets instead of developing a quarterback and having him develop into the to the offense you know so he's got to run the ball the way he's running it because that's the way the offense has been set up and until he evolves as a passer of the football you know they're going to win some games but they're not going to win a, a super bowl you know and most coaches and most organizations, even most media people say, well, that's just not the way we do it anymore. You draft these guys, you know, that high, they've got to get on the field and they've got to play right now. No, you got to develop these players because they're not going to get it, you know, at the high school or the collegiate level. Those coaches are concerned with nothing more than winning. So if these guys don't step outside of the box, kind of like Jalen Hurst did with House this year. Go and find you a guy. Yeah. They teach you the skill set if your organization is not going to do it. Because if he can just if he can play from the pocket, he can operate from the pocket. This is the thing for Jalen Hurts. If you can operate from the pocket and then use your athleticism only when you have to, okay, it's going to be hard to stop this offense because they're going to be able to run the ball if the offensive line is 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 healthy. And people think that you know I'm just run 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 you run run, run 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 you know it turned the season around last year. But listen. This year, they got to find out whether Jalen Hurts can be the guy long term. They have to know after this season. And the only way that's going to happen is Jalen Hurts is going to have to throw the ball 30 to 35 times per game. Okay. He's going to have to complete over 65% of his passes. His turnover ratio is going to have to be somewhere in the in, in in the five to four turn five five to four touchdown to one ratio. Okay. His QBR is going to have to, you know, be way higher than what it was last year. And his rating, you know, is going to have to go up. Now, is that possible? I say absolutely. He's got a second year to be in, a, in, a, in an offensive system. You know, it's the first time in the last six years of him playing football that he's ever been in a system for more than one year, okay? He's got weapons all over the place, okay? I mean, you got running backs that can run the football, you got an offensive line that can block both in the run game and the pass game. So you start the game off with dominance by running the football. Then you get into your play action pass and you make it that much easier for your offensive line to block. You know, all of these things, you know, are in Jalen Hurts' favor. Now, as he put in the work off the field, it's one thing to go it's one thing to go to the gym and get bulked up. He's bigger, stronger, probably a little bit faster. Cause I think that that injury at the end of last year where he was out for one game, you know, set a little something off in his mind. You look at him now, he's a little bigger. Um, but it, it, you know, it's one thing in the, you know, on the field to put in the work, but do you put in the work off the field? You know, do, can, can Jalen Hurts close his eyes on any given pass play and tell me at what depth and at what position every guy that's out in the route is at? Okay that's the level of improvement at quarterback that you have to see, you know, because even though he might be reading right to left, his progression is right to left. If his safety valve is over here on the left and he knows that time is running out, you know where to go with the ball. There's no, no thought about it. When you look at guys like Brady and Rogers and all of these, you know, upper echelon quarterbacks, they understand where every single guy is, on every single play, every running play. They even understand, you know, the, and he doesn't have to do that because he's got one of the greatest centers, you know, in the history of the Philadelphia. Yeah. League. You know, yeah. But it, it behooves you to know the total plan. Like when I played, I had to know everything. If we were in a blitz and it didn't work, I could tell you why it didn't work because it was schemed for one guy to get there. And if he didn't get there, I could tell you why. He took a wrong gap. Something, yeah, but but you could you could focus in. So as a as a quarterback, multiply that. Not only do you have to be able to stand at the line and be able to look at the defense and decipher pre-snap what the hell they're doing, but you better know. You know, it, it better be like walking and chewing gum. You know, when you think about your offense and how it's supposed to operate and who's open and all of those things, and and you take it a step further you know, being able to get in and out of plays. You know, I would assume, I wouldn't assume, I would say there's probably 10 to 15 looks that Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen and Jalen Hurts will go over each each and every week that, hey, if they give us this look, this is what we want to check to. We want to be in this. This gives us the best opportunity, you know, to take a shot or take advantage, you know, because this play is set up to defeat this covers the minute you see it let's check does he have the cerebral nature to be able to look out and decipher it in a calm way and be able to get that done now there's no reason for him not to succeed he's got weapons everywhere he's got a running game he's got a tight end who i believe that will ascend into the top three tight ends this year he's got a wide receiver group that that forces you to pay attention and you don't want to know the the last thing as a defensive coordinator, Bill Belichick always tried to take away your best asset. You know, Yeah, they couldn't beat the Eagles back in 2017 in the Super Bowl because the Eagles had too damn many assets. Go ahead and take away Zach Ertz. Look at everything else we got. How are you going to stop Alshon and Nelson and Corey and 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 and, and a, a young baby Dallas? You, you know what I'm saying? So you have all of these. You have all of these elements. You know when you look at the Eagles' offense, if these guys stay healthy, who do you stop? If you try to take away A.J. Brown, who to me is really, you know, an intermediate route runner more so than he is a deep guy, now you you, you mean to tell me you're going to leave Dallas Goddard one-on-one, you know, with a, with a linebacker or safety? You know, you're going to leave Devontae Smith, who's been making, you know, defensive backs from other organizations look like clowns all summer? You're going to leave that guy one-on-one? <laughs> So, you know, you, I mean, you just it's all right there in front of him, you know, and, and and I believe that he's ready to take the step. You know, now the coaching staff has just got to call plays that allows him, you know, to succeed, you know, with balance. Now that that 30 to 35 doesn't mean you come out and you throw the first 10 plays of the game and then you try to get into, you know, your running game. And then over the course of the game, you let him throw, you know, another 25 times. That's a good mix, you know, because the worst thing that a defense for a defensive player, the worst thing is when they start running the ball up your behind and you can't do anything about it. And all of a sudden they go play action pass and they stick that ball out of there. It forces linebackers, tackles and safeties to to give
2: pause.
3: That's Jesse. Seth Joiner. Uh, tremendous. I wish we had another hour because I yeah, wanted to get into I it. I do. Yeah. I can do two more yeah. hours talking yeah. to Seth Joyner. Unbelievable, uh, 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 you know, football IQ for this game. Seth Joyner on the Jacob Post Game Show starts this week after the game in Detroit. Excited to see what you and Mike Missinelli and Devin Caney, um, uh, everybody is going to bring to that program. Uh, thrilled to have you on Jacob Sports. We got to get you again because I got to talk about this, Jalen Hurts and 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 just the 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 change in the game and his ability to evolve. They don't have as much time to practice as you did, Seth. So we gotta we gotta get back in. we gotta get into that at some yeah. point. Because they always,
8: yeah. hey yeah. guys, I'm just gonna call y'all the J and J Show. Listen, they always overcorrect. Yeah. Every single every single time that there's an adjustment, it's always an overcorrection, okay? Football is not a faint of heart game. I get it. You got sued for $760 bucks, and then the judge came back and slapped the $1.3 billion deal on you. So I get it. Okay, you got to make some adjustments. You know, that will filter all the way down to the youth level. I get it, okay? But there's an overcorrection because – There's not a single football player that doesn't know the occupational hazards of playing the game of football. Okay. And you, you are mortgaging your physical body for the King's ransom. You know, we we know that we understand that, but the adjustments that they made are so just ridiculous. I'm watching these guys, you know, with these gazoo helmets running around and, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: great kazoo! You see, yeah. you, got,
8: you know you got to, You got to be over fifty to know who Kazoo is. Yeah. Oh, no, great yeah, Gazoo, you know, yeah. Johnny and I
2: do. Yeah,
8: they're running around at, at practice with these damn kazoo helmets on, you know, and it gives the illusion that you know what you're protecting the players.
3: Yeah, but and
8: that's, that's what like, it is. It's about it's about, about the illusion. Got, it's
3: the helmet got
8: nothing to do yeah. with how your brain moves around in your head when you yeah. make contact whether you got a gazoo helmet on, or whether you got a, a 19, you know, 50s leather helmet with no face mask on. It, it doesn't matter, yeah. you know? But players realize that, hey, you know what? You know, th- this is what we do. So now you chop everything back, practice time. I mean, yeah. for example, you tell me, you tell me my rookie year, the, the, the spring of my rookie year was the most crucial year of my career. OK, you guys might have to edit some of this, but <laughs> oh, yeah. it was the most crucial, you know, offseason of my of my career, because when my rookie season was over, I go in for my exit interview. Buddy asked me, he's like, you know, what's your plans for the offseason? Well, I think I'm gonna go back to El Paso, enroll in school, get the work and I'll get ready for next year. He says, well, you're either going to be a football player or a student. The off season program begins February 28th. OK, so guess where I was on February 28th. Right man, here in man. the city of brotherly yeah. love. Yeah. I was here until the coaches went on vacation in June, Monday through Friday. Every day we worked. Okay. Now think about this rule where you know you can, the coaches can only work with the players during OTAs. What a crock! Of, what what a crock that is. Okay. Yeah. If my quarterback is in the building, okay, I should have the ability as the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the quarterback coach. To be able to work with my guy. I now I understand the rule Man. because the voluntary, involuntary thing, buddy used to say it all the time oh, the minicamp is 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 voluntary, but don't show up if you want to and see if you know <laughs> your got a roster spot, you know, from cut down time. You understand? Yeah. So I, I understand why they put it in place, but even if a guy wanted to to come in and work with his coach on basic techniques and fundamentals and watch film and go out on fit on the field and work drills the collective bargaining agreement prevents them from doing yeah. that. That's, that's, yeah. To me, that's the biggest travesty, you know? And, and the fact that you're only on the field for an hour, an hour and a half, and all corrections are made, you know, in the film room. You can't correct physically what has to be corrected physically in the film room. It needs to be run again
2: and corrected on the field. Seth, unfortunately, we be out of time I hear. Uh, you, like bro. I said before, we could do two hours, another two hours. Yeah, we could it. do. If we had yeah. the time, uh, we will do two hours, 45-minute uh, uh, chunks at a time. We're going to oh, get good. you on a bunch during the season. We're very much looking forward to the post-game show with you and the crew down at Oceans. Thank you for coming on with us today. We'll talk plenty during the year, big guy. Thank you very much. You got it. Thanks, Thank you, Seth.
3: Seth, All Seth right.
2: Joyner, all-time Eagle, great linebacker, Oh yeah, I could just listen to for hours. Yeah, we got
3: he's tremendous. We got to close the show. We're going to skip the break, Jody. But um, just real quick, I didn't mention D Gun that post game show as well. D Gun's a big part of that. Seth is awesome because I got to be honest with you, most players, ex players, they don't give you a lot. They're they're very political. They don't. Seth gives you the real skinny, so to speak. Gives you his true thoughts, his true evaluations. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to him about the scale backs because, <clears throat> you know, what he says about the quarterbacks, I agree in in theory. But I mentioned I was talking to a personnel guy a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned on the show, and they said, you know, one out of every seven, eight throws is a full field progression, like it doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And 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 that and that I I can't wait to get into that. But what what a phenomenal. Uh, uh, addition to Jacob sports that's Joiners,
2: Absolutely is. Uh, we're glad to have him on today. And uh, since he seemed to enjoy talking to us, oh, we're going to have him back on again. Uh, if he's good enough to come out with us again, you need to catch him every single week during Eagle season on the Eagle Post Game show right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. All right. Uh, yeah, we probably cut into our buddy uh, Rick Saratella show. He is coming up next. J-Mac, I'll catch you back here tomorrow. You in? Amen. We'll both be in in two and two.
0: You've been listening to Birds Three Sixty Five, <laughs> the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're.